Uh, good morning or good afternoon, wherever you're at. My name is Kirby Mallon. I am the current president of CEFESA, and welcome to the President's Podcast. Today, I have with me Chris Craggs, the CEO and founder, and George Roberts Smith, the regional director at CFTM, and I believe that stands for McFarlane Teffler. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, hi, Kirby. Um, great to see you on, on online. Great to be part of the um, Cefesa family. And George, welcome. Hi, Kirby. How are you doing? Good, good. So uh, I've, I've done a little bit of re research. As far as I can tell, uh, you guys are obviously overseas in the UK, uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, Qatar, as well as Saudi Arabia. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. George. George's territory is... Uh, the Gulf uh, and, and the, the, the last three territories you've just described there. So UAE, uh, Dubai, most obviously, um, Qatar, you may know as the venue for uh, the Soccer World Cup next year, uh, and Saudi Arabia, um, uh, where we have three different, uh, three different locations in there. Uh, the, the business was established uh, uh, coming up 30 years ago in the UK. We've been focused on service and maintenance for the last 11 years, uh, and that's when it started to take off. Um, and um, we went out to um, the Middle East in, in effectively started in 2015. Uh, and um, our experience of, of, of US uh, equipment brands prior to that was, was fairly limited. Our uh, customer base in the UK is not what we would call hospitality. So uh, restaurants, hotels, chains, and so forth. We're much more uh, corporate, healthcare, education, that sort of sector. Uh, and that's largely delivered by European manufacturers. And so we uh, went out to uh, Dubai and uh, uh, got immersed into the chain um, uh, world and, and, and came across machines we'd never seen before. So we saw Hobart on a dishwasher um, and uh, had been very familiar with European Hobart and never seen US Hobart before. And all of a sudden, we have to get up to speed and be good at this and have all the contacts and supply chain. And that was when it prompted us to come over to the States and, and visit NAFEM and NRA and, and, and get hooked up with um, Cefesa. So that's been um, our journey to date. That's excellent. Well, McFarlane Teffler is a, a voting member of Cefesa. That's correct. You guys are a voting member. Is that correct? I think, I think that's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. it's just a, just a, it's Telfer, by the way, um, Kirby, Telfer rather than Tefla. Okay. Tel <laughs> well, I, I probably have an accent for you guys. Uh, well, that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, George, how did you get into this business? How long have you been in the business? That's a very interesting story. Um, I was at, uh, I studied an engineering degree at, uh, at university and I was just, uh, I was just finishing that off. Um, and I was actually going to do a uh, to do a PhD at the same university, and I had the I had the funding secured for it, um, and I had the subject, you know, the, the the research assistant and everything that you need to go ahead and do that. And I was looking for a uh, for a for a job for three months before I went to to do it to save up some some money before I did that and and, and whatever else. So through a recruitment agent. Uh, or a temping agency that my uh, my mother was associated with, um, I got a part-time job at, uh, at MCFT in, uh, in the office in Maidenhead in the UK. Um, and I guess it's a it's an interesting segue um, from from going and studying something in 
academia or you know the the subject was actually artificial intelligence um and then getting involved in uh, in service and maintenance of commercial kitchens and you wouldn't naturally think that one fed into the other but um you know this industry is unique in a way well not unique it's one of those industries where every single person who's in it has an interesting story about how they got in it you don't necessarily have people who um well, in our experience anyway, who were always interested in, in going into the uh, kitchen equipment service and maintenance game. It tends to be stuff that people come through 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 odd routes. Um, yeah, so to, to cut a long story short on that, you know, it was one of these situations where month one, I was thinking, you know, this is a funny little industry, you know, what, what, why would you want to be involved in this? And obviously by the end of month three, I was having the time of my life and, and the rest is, uh, is kind of history, you know? And I, um, I started out then, nine years ago, nearly 10 years ago, I guess, Chris, um, answering the phones, you know, people are phoning up and saying my fryer doesn't work and um, and what are you guys going to do about it? Um, back in the day when people used to phone that stuff in, of course, nowadays we have, uh, you know, a, a portal and people raise tickets electronically rather than phoning in all the time, uh, more often than not, um, and, and moved up from doing that to doing some... Uh, uh, some kind some projects involving some of the IT systems. So we're quite big on the on the technology front. We uh, we, we we implemented a um, a field service application for all our techs in the UK, and I was I was involved in that. And then that uh, uh, you know you you might be aware these IT projects don't really finish. They just sort of carry on and get deeper and deeper and deeper. And you you think well what can we do now? What can we do now? Um, but anyway, so this this uh, this ran its course, and then of course we. We started looking at what do we do next? You know, we've we've effectively technologized the uh, the organisation in the UK as far as we thought we were going to, and, and obviously now we're we're way ahead of that. Um, and then we started looking at, at international expansion. Um, we went over to uh, to Europe in the first instance. We visited uh, Germany and Belgium and Netherlands uh, and. Thought you know these are these are obviously developed developed economies with good competitors, um, if that makes sense. And obviously we compete with with good competitors in the UK, but we've got a twenty odd year heritage in the UK, so it's it's, it's perfectly fine. It's, there's got to be so so many similarities within our industries, uh, as if we're going to compare the United States to to the UK in, in general. Um, and I think our listeners are probably most interested, at least the listeners here in the United States, about, um, you know, what, what, what difficulties you're having over there? Uh, and, you know, what, what kind of things are, are, um, are concerning you moving forward? Uh, I necessarily don't want to talk about the past. Uh, however, I do kind of want to get it out, out of the way. So here, here we had COVID, right? We were all rocking and rolling. COVID came along, kind, kind of took the wind out of our sails, as I think you said, Chris, on your website. And um, and things are kind of getting back to normal, at least here in the United States. In the United States, uh, right now, I think about 25% of, of, of adults are vaccinated. And things are, ba- things are opening up quickly. Uh, specifically down south, things are opening up quickly. And we're seeing a, a sizable uptick. Um, you know, we were down as much as 60% in the middle of COVID uh, as, as a whole as an industry. Uh, and I think if I had to guess right now, uh, people would say they're they're almost back to 100% or somewhere around 75% of where they were pre-COVID. Uh, where are you guys as far as, uh, you know, sales? I mean, you guys, you know, back to where you were, are you, are you still 
down pretty low because you guys aren't doing as well with the vaccine over there, is what I'm told. Well, we, we, we think we are, actually. The UK has done, has done quite well. If I, if I cover off the UK um, uh, quickly, uh, a very, very sharp cutaway in April last year, April 2020, uh, dropped down um, some cases to zero in, in hospitality and service businesses. We dropped, to, uh, we dropped by 75% to about 25% of what we'd had in January, in, in April. And then it recovered over the uh, the next couple of months, and and there was a, a release from lockdown in the summer. Uh, uh, but the the consequence of that was a spike in cases, and so there was a, 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 uh, an enforcement of of, of, a, of a second lockdown in November, which curtailed that growth. And so we got back up to about eighty percent, and it dropped back down again, initially to about forty five percent of where we'd been. Uh, we're back up now to 70% plus of where we are. And I think that's probably reasonably representative of the market. Uh, just touching base with uh, some colleagues on, on, on the part side who have a perspective of, of the industry generally, they're hopeful that come the end of the year, uh, we'll be back to pre-pandemic levels. But it'll probably take that time to get there. And in terms of uh, release, we're just actually... Uh, this, just this Monday, uh, the, the 12th, we've had um, a release for uh, uh, for outdoor hospitality. So you can, um, uh, and obviously people have taken the opportunity to open patios and to have marquees and to, and to you know, anything that, that's got a, a cover from the rain um, uh, become somewhere that you can operate. And, and I think they're taking a, the same view in sort of city centre streets and going what we call Mediterranean and having sort of walkways that people can, can, can then occupy and, and, and sell hospitality into. Uh, but that was literally this Monday. Prior to that, there's been no external or internal hospitality at all. The internal um, restricted uh, maximum uh, groups of six socially distanced uh, starts on the 17th of May in the UK. And they're hoping on the 21st of June those legal restrictions on social distancing and on gatherings will be restricted and that nightclubs will come back on from the 21st of June, assuming everything goes to plan. If, if there is another spike, then all the bets are off. Um, that's the UK situation. Um, we've had the benefit in the, in, in, in the UK, similar to, to, to uh, Europeans, of um, assistance with, with uh, payroll and with wages. Uh, through um, a furlough, government's furlough scheme, and I know it's it's sort of something similar to your PPP plan, but but there's been no requirement in the UK that this be this isn't a loan. This is this is uh, assistance that is uh, for qualifying businesses uh, with uh, restrictions on it, so you can't work and claim, as it were. So it's. Uh, uh, it, it, it's 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 uh, policed, uh, and uh, there are dire threats for anybody taking advantage of the situation. Uh, but that's been a lifesaver for us in the UK in terms of supporting businesses, uh, hospitality, and and their supply chain. Um, Georgia's story, I think, is somewhat different in in uh, in the Gulf. It, it's probably worth just putting that picture in because there. Um, there's been no support uh, of any sort. So then it's been very much left to the market. And, um, and the market has, has, has made it work, actually. Huh. George, you want to elaborate on what, what, what that, how you're doing over there with that? What we would call the PPP, and, or I should say lack of? Lack of. 
Yeah, so 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 we have uh, we have nothing. There there, there wasn't a um, you know there there were announcements of, of various measures that were going to be taken by by a number of local uh, governments, but um, these were not necessarily uh, designed or um, claimable by small businesses. You know there was support for the banking sector, um, which are largely state owned in, in most of these countries. So the the kind of um, self supporting support. Um, so yeah, just just on some of those uh, numbers and percentages and, and performances. So April and May 2020 with a with a big down month, I think for for everyone, with probably April being the worst. Um, in the in the UAE, in the United Arab Emirates, we were similar uh, pattern to the UK in in terms of being 35 to 40 percent uh, down on our top line sales. Qatar unusually um, was largely unaffected by this. If you looked at our top-line sales pattern over the last couple of years in our cattle business, you wouldn't necessarily know that you'd been through a, a global pandemic. It's been pretty, pretty, pretty solid the whole way through it. Um, and then in the Saudi Arabia business, we were down 90% plus for those two months. So, you know, we were doing 10% of the, of the turnover. And obviously, if you've got teams of field service techs and no support, then that becomes extremely difficult to, to try and manage from a, from a cash flow perspective. Um, the, the situation now, though, um, we're sorry, Kirby, go ahead. I was just going to say it just it's it's uh, very interesting that you you guys have such a, a wide range of situations within a relatively close period or close area from, from each other. Sure, and I mean part of this is um, and just just to just to cut that off, and I'll talk about the differences between them afterwards. Um, now out in the, the Gulf, so in these three uh, organizations that we've got here, the three countries that we operate in, we're actually now ahead of where we were as an average of um, Q1 in 2020. So whereas a lot of the rest of the world is still way behind what they would consider as their, you know, where they were pre-COVID, um, we're actually now starting to, to, to make headway in, in improving on the position we were in before. Um, yeah, the difference in um, the difference in those numbers comes from a, from a few different things. The UAE, which has, has sprung back quite fast from originally being uh, quite significantly down, is extremely motivated as a country to maintain uh, tourism and um, free trade and people coming for conferences and doing business. So they made a, a huge, huge effort to to lock the whole thing down in, in fairly sort of draconian fashion for for a short period of time and then put a ton of effort into, into a vaccination program. So I think they've delivered um, something like 78 or 80 doses of vaccine per every 100 people. So you've got a huge, huge percentage of people out here who have, who have been uh, vaccinated. And, and, you know, whether the figures are accurate or not, I don't know. But, you know, whatever the case, they've vaccinated a lot of people. Um, and then the re on the opposite end of that, the reason Saudi Arabia continues to, to sort of languish or to lag behind the other ones is that they've not put that much effort into the um, into the vaccination program. But they have uh, kept up sporadic uh, draconian lockdown measures. So, you know, I mean, draconian to the point that if you're spotted outside your house, you're going to get fined sort of thing. You shouldn't be on the streets and whatever else. And of course, this sets back um, uh, financial expenditure for the operators, for the for the, for the people for our customers because they think well if we've got a load of uncertainty around there potentially being another lockdown and no one's coming into the store 
why would we be looking to spend any money, whether that's in you know, standard service and maintenance or preventative maintenance tasks, or whether that's capital expenditure in new equipment. Um, whereas in the UAE, the UAE government does give people confidence that they're doing everything they can to try and pull out of it and get the tourists back and get the customers back into the restaurants. And of course, this, this gives people confidence to spend. Qatar, interestingly, is, um, has been isolated from the remainder of the Gulf due to a, a, a political disagreement between them and the remainder of the, uh, the Gulf states. So they were already isolated from their immediate neighbours before the pandemic. So I think this is why it's managed to be so, so durable, because it was relatively self-contained economically prior to the outbreak of the, of the pandemic. So it just kind of carried on. That's, that's tr tremendously yeah, interesting. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry, Kirby. The, the, the other thing I'd say, though, is because, um, and, and this maybe uh, speaks to some of the uh, the, the, the uh, commentaries that we've heard coming out of the States, um, with the lack of support in, or the absence of support in the UAE, um, the, the, the customer base, the, you know, the hospitality industry, has had to find a way to make things work. And whether that was uh, uh, takeaway or delivery or, or, or a boom in, in dark or ghost kitchens, you know, that, that's how people have, have found a way to make this work. And I don't think this has applied to all sectors. You know, maybe we've been a little bit lucky in the people we've dealt with. But... Uh, uh, in the absence of support, you know, people will find ways in which to make this work. And I think this, uh, that particular, so it's an interesting contrast between uh, the absence of support still managing to make things work and, and the European model where there is support and uh, and that also works. And, and so, you know, you can have a blended model or you can have a, um, a freestanding model. I guess the, the trouble is the risk. And as George has alluded to, um, Gulf states have, have seemed to have managed actually in terms of uh, making sure that the medical emergency uh, didn't run out of control. And it doesn't feel as though that economic um, uh, uh, freedom that, that, that allowed people to to just about get by. Don't get me wrong; this is not uh, this is not easy. Um, you know, hotels occupancy you know down, restaurants really really quiet, but um, they've they've managed to survive. Um, so, yeah, interesting contrast between the two economic models there. But hopefully we're coming in both in both areas. So George is describing already that, you know, Q1 2021 is better than Q, Q1 2020. Um, UK, I think it's going to be the end of the year before we get back to any anything like 100% of where we were before um, as, as a pattern. And, of course, there'll have been attrition along the way. We'll, we'll have lost... Um, uh, some of our customers um, in, in, um, in, in a couple of different ways, I think. Um, uh, I'm thinking what we described as independents or, or, or mom and pop type restaurants um, that you know, will not have been able to survive. Um, but I suspect that what's happened, what will happen, it'll be uh, the, larger, the large guys with, uh, with, with big bank balances who can, and, and investors who are, who are, who are you know, keen to spot an opportunity who will pick up those sites. And I think, you know, hearing the conversation with, with Ken Beasley last week, you know, something similar probably uh, happening in, in the States in, in, in various areas where uh, long established businesses disappear, but somebody comes in and, and, and picks up the, the opportunity. And I think that will be um, the likely uh, 
pattern and, and something similar in service businesses. So just talking with a, uh, a guy who's on the parts supply side uh, about what the general, um, you know, impact of, it might have been. And I think there will have been movements some smaller businesses um, uh, folding, but, but, but being incorporated into other businesses, uh, people moving. The net effect actually at the end of it being very similar to what it was um, before we started, but in a slightly different shape. Um, uh, and, and talking about with George, we talk about George is talking about uh, businesses that were fragile before, or who'd given extended lines of credit, and um, those are the people that have succumbed, and those people who were strong before have been in a position to pick up the pieces and, and, and maybe go forward from that. So, um, yeah, the. the, the the geography will have st- will have changed, I think, uh, but the but the sum total in, in terms of the businesses will probably be the same um, in the UK, at any rate. Right. Well, I know in the United States we've lost one hundred and ten uh, hundred and ten thousand restaurants and bars are closed permanently closed, and uh, at least here in the United States, the guys with the deep pockets, which are the chain accounts, are the ones who have thrived. And have have made it through for the time being, but we're we're under the same understanding that these 110 empty restaurants and bars uh, are 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 full of kitchen equipment and full of dining rooms, right? So at some point, someone's going to come along, either rent or, or purchase that space and reemerge. Now chances are. They're not going to rip all the equipment out and put brand new equipment in. They're going to try to fix what's there. So what we what we're perceiving to happen here in the United States is, yeah, the big guys are going to stay there, uh, the fast the fast food or chain accounts. Uh, but these uh, these these independent restaurant tours, uh, they may be able to get refinancing, come back, or as I said, the space will still be reused. So. We foresee a tremendous increase in repair business uh, in in the in the, the third fourth quarter of this year, and certainly 2022, to the point that we we are revving up to hire technicians now, train technicians now. Even though we're at 75% of where we were, we're you know like a game of ch- chess. We're trying to predict five moves moves ahead and take advantage of the available workforce hire and train more technicians now so we can continue to have, you know, same day service, 85% first call fix and all that kind of stuff. We try to be the leader. Uh, the Cefesa companies in the United States want to become the leaders in the industry to, to be there when the phone rings. Are you guys having any kind of similar situation there? You mentioned that the mom and pa's and that you don't really have as many chain accounts there, uh, or you, you used to years ago, but, um, is that, do you find that kind of similar situation? I, I think so. The other thing is that there's undoubtedly a huge pent-up demand for, uh, for for restaurants and going out and celebrating and so forth. So, um, you know, the, the, the customers who've not been able to eat out. So I think you're, you, you've, you've had a lot more open <clears throat> restaurants and, 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 and cafes and you know, pubs they'd be in the UK. <clears throat> than we have, so there's there's going to be a lot of demand, and I think from that there's going to be a surge in requirement for service businesses. I'm not quite so confident that there's going to be uh, 
uh, independents taking over independent locations. My, my, my guess is we've seen this with, with a couple of large uh, UK organisations that they've already advertised that they've raised funds in advance of the return so that they've got hundreds of millions of dollars or the equivalent of to, to pick up opportunities as they come up. Um, uh, and clearly people won't be picking up bad or they'll be trying to avoid picking up bad sites. Sites that close because it's never going to work, uh, they've they're probably gone forever. But sites that close because the operation wasn't wasn't fundamentally well run, those will be picked up by the big guys. So I'm, I'm thinking there will be, in the UK anyway, uh, a consolidation that there'll be more bigger players and fewer independents. Um, and then, as I say, there's, there's going to be a... Uh, a, a spike in demand that probably takes us over the 100% level uh, as people come back and um, that, that, you know, they haven't been spending any money, they haven't needed to, this fridge has been broken for the last uh, 10, 10 months, but now, you know, we, we're full on, we need everything working uh, 100%. And so I think there will be uh, a, a short-term peak. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not confident that will be sustained um, in terms of a, in terms of boost, the other thing that, that in our particular sector in the UK, so we deal a, le- a lot with uh, with with corporate uh, to a degree, what we call public sector or governmental. Um, certainly in urban, you know, the, the places like London or you know uh, uh, major cities, uh, we still sense a major hesitation around the use of public transport, which is how people typically got into. Uh, you know, major office spaces. Uh, there's a, there's a, um, an area in London called Canary Wharf, which has got, you know, big, big, big buildings in there. And, and there's going to be a hesitation about people wanting to, to get back on buses or on um, the subway to, you know, to get in um, and be cheek by jowl with people. And so that, we think, is going to be a restriction. We're seeing some of our customers actually um, opening up their out-of-town office spaces so that those people that would have been working in town can now work out of town. And there's going to be some interesting phenomenon with people working from home uh, and an exodus from cities and people working in rural areas. Um, how long that lasts is, is going to be interesting to see as well, because I think we've seen uh, elements of this before, <clears throat> famously in the US um, uh, 10 or more years ago, um, Marissa Meyer and Yahoo said people could work from home and then so, oops, no, no, that doesn't work. You've got to all come back in again. You're not part of the family anymore unless you're working alongside each other and you can have those drinks, fountain, you know, conversations. Um, so I think we're going to have an interesting period over the next, uh, I don't know, five years while this thing settles down again of people working from home, partially working from home, uh, companies working out whether that actually works for them. Um, and then, you know, it'll settle down again. My guess is that it'll be uh, not too different from what we've been used to. I think the underlying pattern of this, yes, it's enabled by technology, but, you know, we're primitive beings. We've evolved over, you know, millennia of of evolution and we're tribal and herd, you know, and, and we like working with other people, um, being isolated at home. Uh, I don't know how it is in the US, but here... Um, hearing a lot of noise from people who are fed up with uh, being sequestered in their own homes and they want to get back and talk to people and, and be alongside people and when they have a bad day and have somebody who can lift them up again. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the new world of work in that sort of corporate environment is going to be really interesting to, to watch. Short term, 
definitely off from from where we were. Um, the, the, the numbers cannot other than be, you know, I'm guessing 20%, 30% down this year before the end of the year. Whether we get back, when we get back to 100%, I think it'll be a couple of years, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, before that comes back in again in this particular sector. Well, I, I'm based out of Philadelphia, and it's Philadelphia's a ghost town. And I haven't been to New York, but they they, they say the same thing. So all the major cities... Uh, are ghost towns as far as people coming in to stay at hotels and go go to go to the high end restaurants and stuff like that. So uh, I agree that um, it's a short term thing. Uh, I don't think that people they might like it working from home and not have to put pants on and uh, and yeah yeah I'm more efficient because I don't have travel time and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think it's short-lived. I know, I know that Americans have a, sh- a short memory. And within within a couple of years, I, I believe that we'll be back to uh, working in offices just like we've, like we've always done. Uh, let, let me kind of switch gears to, to labor help. Um, in, in the United States, you hear about all the unemployment, and you would think that with all the unemployment that people would be lining up the, at the door to, to, to have a job. Uh, specifically in our industry. So, but the exact opposite is happening. So, um, as I said, we're trying to hire refrigeration technicians, hot side technicians, uh, trainees, uh, and we literally cannot get any resumes in the, in, in my in- inbox for people who actually want to work. Are you guys finding, uh, that you're, uh, if, you know, if, if you wanted to hire a technician right now, that there's plenty available or are you having the same problem? Uh, I think uh, the, 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 there are people available at the moment. Um, uh, I'd hate to be um, making gross generalizations on this thing, but I, I fear that what happens in this sort of uh, uh, circumstance, and of course there are exceptions, but, but the people who are let go are perhaps not always the cream of the crop. You know, the people who are let go and are out there looking for jobs that may not be the people you're actually looking for. Uh, my view on this, and, 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 and I was hearing you saying similar things, and, and, and again with the conversation with, with, with Ken um, uh, those weeks ago, um, this is a long-term thing, and, and, and it's echoed by our friends in, in hospitality, actually. But, but the only route to it that, 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 that we can see is, is to make ourselves uh, visible as an employer of choice, if we can call it that, um, and we do that by by trying to give really good, structured, uh, uh, rigorous. You know, this is this is not a walk in the park. You don't get a tick in the box uh, just because you turned up today. You know, you've got to deliver and perform. Um, but but if we do the assessments right at the outset, and we we have many assessment days, and we try and test people on all sorts of um, uh, you know some key stuff like social skills. You know, if you can't get on with your fellow man, you're going to be no good to, to, to us. You know, forget forget changing pumps on a on a dishwasher. You, you're going to be sociable with your customers and with your colleagues. Um, I think we've set about trying to do this systematically uh, for a decade now of uh, putting ourselves out there. Um, and uh, we've managed to buck the trend, I think. Uh, we, we, we go around social media when we're recruiting and, and, and when we do this we, in, in days gone by, it's not the case today, unfortunately, we took on two cohorts a year, um, one, you know, first, first half and one second half. And, uh, you know, we had a thousand plus applications 
um, on these things. Now, <clears throat> a big chunk of those uh, weren't going to go very far, um, uh, in, in fairness, because uh, it's so easy to put, you know, press send on a, uh, you know, your uh, your resume is, is, is ready prepared. You see a job, you know, you press send. And so there's an awful lot of stuff that needs to be filtered out before you do. But we end up with, you know, 30, 40 people that come to our assessment days. And out of that, uh, we can we can take 10 or 10, 11, 12 people through. We're going to lose, you know, we, with the selection criteria that we you know, try and apply. And we involve that, you know, all aspects of the business in this. We lose, you know, no more than one in 10, we hope, um, in, in that process. Uh, and at the end of four years, which seemed to echo, I think, what I heard uh, from, from your conversation with Ben, at the end uh, with Ken, um, at the end of four years, we've got a you know really qualified, useful, fulfilled guy. You know, he the, the individual, and, and it is mostly guys. We've got the odd girl, but it's mostly guys. Um, has now got a trade. He's he's got a, a you know very healthy um, income, um, and this is a business that's going to be needed for many years to come. Um, so uh, you know, present pandemics aside. <laughs> Um, in ordinary times, uh, fryers are going to need fixing and, and refrigeration is going to need fixing um, for a very long time to come. So I think it's a, it's a long-term <clears throat> effort by individual businesses to set themselves out as, um, you know, places for a career, places uh, to succeed, places to be fulfilled. Uh, like I say, it's, you know, we, we, we don't, pull punches we make it clear from the outset that this is um you know we expect performance whether it's turning up every day or or or, or, or you know learning the and being able to demonstrate that you know people the students have to put together a portfolio and evidence that they can do all these tasks um but we find when we do that it it, it works and and it, it it sort of overlaps a little bit with i think some comments that you know people sometimes have about gen z or, or or millennials or you know they don't want to work anymore and but my i don't think i wanted to work actually you know at that age you know i, I long hair and you know i listened to I, I grew up in germany in the american sector in germany and listened to afn and you know i was i was dropping out and you know so i, I was i was no example of a you know the work ethic um, I think every generation has done the same thing. They're kicked back, you know, love and peace and so forth. And then, hey, you know, how am I going to afford a house and a car and, a, you know, a wife and a family and so forth? Hey, I better buckle down. I better find, you know, find a job that's going to pay me a, a thing. So I, I, I think, again, going back to, you know, millennia of, um, of, of, of uh, you know, humans evolving, um, you just need to light the spark, you know, and, and, and when you do and there's, you know, one job and two applicants, all of a sudden it becomes competitive and, you know, me first, me first, you know, and I'll come in early and I'll work late and uh, look at what I've done. And it's a question of fight, of lighting that spark, I think. Um, so, yeah. I agree. I know in, in uh, here in the United States, uh, uh, CFESA in general, or the board of the directors is trying to put the word out there especially right now with colleges and universities uh, having online classes. So you're, you're, you're supposedly a college, but you're sitting in front of a computer screen. And um, when kids are coming out of high school, they have, they're always told go to college for four years and then you'll get a better job. 
At least that's what's you know happened in the United States for years, and that's what's ingrained in kids is if I want to make more money, I have to go to college. What we're trying to say to these kids coming out of high school is that no, 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 wait a second, don't you know if you go to college for four years, let's just say twenty five thousand dollars a year, you're going to be a hundred thousand dollars in debt in four years, and then when you get out of college, do you have a job? Ah, well, maybe, maybe not, but you're still a hundred thousand dollars in debt. On the other hand, if you come work for a, a CFESA service company, right? First year, you're getting paid to be trained, right? You're getting trained and you're also getting paid. Uh, and then by the, by the second year, third and fourth year, by fourth year, you've, you've had probably that same amount of money in your pocket. You're not in debt. You're exactly the opposite. You've made money for four years and then the career of being a service technician in our industry has proven to be recession proof and now it's proven to be COVID proof. So it's, it's really uh, an interesting career, a rewarding career. I mean, how, how many times uh, I was a technician years ago and when I first started in this business, but when you walk into a kitchen and that piece of equipment's down and all the chefs are counting on you to fix that piece of equipment and you successfully fix that piece of equipment it's very rewarding so i i'm we're trying to get the word out that this industry and i say i say this all the time we're trying to make this industry success sexy you know this is a sexy industry this is not a and i think george you elaborated in, in the beginning when you introduced yourself of how you got in this industry when people get in this industry they rarely leave this industry i mean it's hard to get out of this industry because we're so well uh, connected with each other. We understand each other. We have common problems, uh, and it's it is a fun industry. And I've I've seen other industries. I've gone to other uh, automotive industries, and they're they're fascinated of how um, how we share information, how we work with each other, and and it, it's it's a very unique industry. Is what I'm going to say. So. Uh, yeah, I think. Um, George, go ahead. Sorry, I, I was going to say is there there is something about the industry, and it's um you know I know a a lot of guys on the on the OEM side, so manufacturers and reps and manufacturers, but also a load of people out here who are who are direct competitors. You know, sometimes I'll speak to one or two of my competitors in this region a week. You know, and that's not. That's not that normal across um, across a, a load of industries, right? And actually, there's a load of um, because of that indirect route to being in this industry. There's a ton of super interesting people in the industry, and that's um, you know if if you think about how you want to spend your your days, you know um, what else aside, you know if you can just mix with you know people that you find interesting and engaging all day long, then you know that's a pretty fulfilling thing to do, no matter no matter what else is, is going on. So I think that's why people stay because um, because it's full of a bunch of good, interesting people, except us, of course. And and there's a there's an adrenaline thing, isn't there? There's, you know, there's, a, there's a there's a pressure and there's a there's a, there's, a, there's a tempo to what we do. But what I was going to also chip in is is um, I think it's not just uh, uh, technicians in the field. You know, I think there's a real uh, opportunity for people in in the office and be that operations or, or, or sales or. or you know, people taking the calls or, or, or routing the, the, the guys. 
same same concept you were describing, Kirby. You know, you could go to university or to college, and and be a you know under a mountain of debt to start off with. Or we have a thing in the UK called higher apprenticeships. Um, or you can start off, you know, age 18 in the office, go through a higher apprenticeship, be paid all the way through. You've got to fulfill, um, you know, the criteria, one of which is one day a week, you're, you're out of your, um, uh, your, your, your everyday job, but it could be inside the business in a different department of the business. Um, and we've had, you know, again, uh, really outstanding youngsters come in on, on this program. So they could absolutely have gone to university and to college and been outstanding, you know, academically, very bright. They just don't want to take on 100,000 bucks of debt. Um, and here's an opportunity. And again, that adrenaline and there's a buzz and there's a, you know, a vitality to, to, to the place and there's a an excitement and and uh, you know you you get to five o'clock and you think well, I, you know didn't manage to get everything I needed to get done you know where's the day gone um, this is not an ordinary office job where you're just waiting for the clock to wind down before you can go home um, so I think we've we've you know I think we've got a really interesting proposition not just for for technicians but you know for for everybody that surrounds that um, if we go looking for, for for those sort of individuals and and we've you know like I said we've got youngsters who seem to really thrive on it and going back to george's example you know we i i kidnapped him from from a a, a career in, in in academia and and uh, uh brought him to the dark side and then when you've got uh uh guys with talent you know what are you going to do if you, if you don't give him a, a challenge or an opportunity of course the guy's going to get bored and he's going to go somewhere else so here go and you know go and create a business in the middle east and and we've done this with the others in 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 you know uh, uh, general management Qatar they're all youngsters they're they're all young guys but you know here go off and prove yourself and I think you know if you look at back in 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 you know uh, periods of strife and war and so forth people come through and 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 demonstrate their worth in their early twenties you know we don't have to wait for people to be grey hairs like me uh, you know to to to, to go and prove their spurs and you know uh, and, and get in engaged and, and and you know challenged and stressed for sure you know, on occasions you know it's 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 pretty tough but but actually come through these these things so i think it's a it's a really interesting industry to be in for you know for for all sorts of reasons um uh, i i do think um it's not the sort of thing anybody, as George said, and nobody leaves school thinking that's what I want to do um, because it's just not out there invisible. Um, and it is small, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a niche place. But I think the people who do cotton on to it, I think it's a really exciting, interesting, fulfilling, well-rewarded place to work. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Uh, uh, last question. I do want to switch gears, and I do want the listeners to to understand uh, your situation uh, as far as parts distribution. I, I really have no idea how you mentioned all these different manufacturers that you, you do work for that are not U U.S. based manufacturers. I assume that's still a good part of your business. Could, could you explain to our listeners uh, how your parts distribution works? Are you, are you buying, are you still buying direct from certain manufacturers or do you have certain parts warehouses like we do in the United States? No, I think the model predominantly is is, is parts warehouses, um, and and that for a number of reasons. You know, frankly, <laughs> we do deal with a number of manufacturers. They're not very good at it. You know, they take forever to get the parts out. 
the parts wholesale guys are used to, you know, calls coming in at five or six o'clock at night and it goes out tonight and you've got it tomorrow. And that's what they're geared up for. Um, and if I was a manufacturer, I'd be doing the same thing. I, you know, I don't want to, this is just a pain, you know, who can I give it to, to look after this stuff? My business about building fridges or dishwashers or, or, or you know, cooking ranges or whatever the thing is, let me focus on that. Let me, the whole support thing, uh, let me get it out to somebody else. Now, I have a slight concern with that in that we have one very, very preeminent organization uh, in, in the US, but, you know, elsewhere as well. So we have a, a, an offshoot in, in the UK from, from that. And uh, that uh, concentration of, of control, uh, I'm not sure is terribly healthy. Um, and I don't think it's particularly healthy for the manufacturers, actually. Uh, I can see them wanting to get rid of the, the hassle and give it to somebody else to look after. But, um, but if they're not careful, um, you know, they, they may have lost uh, that opportunity to call the shots. We were talking with George um, the other week about, um, uh, uh, I don't know if this is unfair and, and uh, uh, contentious, you know, but once you reach a certain point, it was prompted by a conversation actually with a refrigeration company that said, you know, the energy argument is over now. You know, we've, we've come down, you know, they're all like for like. You can't go and sell your product now because it saves on energy because it's all come down to the same sort of level. And, and I'd argue that, you know, once a fryer fries, uh, you know, produces French fries. What, what's the difference between these things? It becomes cost if you're not very, very careful. Uh, clearly, you know, reliability, the ability to you know keep working and so forth. And, you know, there's, there's various features that are there as a given. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a really interesting place to be, I think, to watch the market and find, you know, the dynamic changes between service companies, uh, parts wholesalers, uh, manufacturers, um, and find out, you know, who has uh, who has the power in this, some of these negotiating positions. You know, the chain uh, with you know thousands and tens of thousands of, of, of outlets um, uh, that's going to nominate a uh, you know one or two suppliers of of, uh, of fryers. You know, that's it's not a place I'd like to be. Um, manufacturing manufacturing fries in there uh, from the service business, we know how tough it is, and we know how dif you know how to differentiating and how getting everybody up to speed and enabled by technology. But it's still that guy who walks in, as you described, um, uh, you know, and the chefs are all looking at him to get the thing fixed, and he walks out, and everybody's happy and smiling. Uh, that was down to that individual and how equipped he is uh, professionally in terms of you know technical competence socially in terms of calming the thing down because quite often i don't know what it's like in the states but uh, they're not very diplomatic over here when you walk in and things are not going too well you know you tend to get your head ripped off first um you know the tools the equipment the spares like you said you know you've got the right parts on the on the truck to be able to to affect those fixes that's not an easy uh, there's there's not a formula you can you know, pull out of a book and say here you know clone that and make it happen that that's that's not something that comes off a production line or you turn the lathe up a speed you know and, and you get five thousand more you know things off the thing at the end of the at the end of the day it's a really challenging business to be in and i think for that reason you know service companies are in a good place um you know you can absolutely differentiate it takes hard work <laughs> it takes really hard work sustained hard work over years but but you absolutely can you know show the difference between what you do and what other people do Right. Well, that's why we're called service companies and not parts companies. And I've been along long enough. I've been around long enough to know that, you know, we used to sell a lot of parts, um, but 
you're right, Chris. The problem was the manufacturers were never really good at getting the parts to us. So uh, for that reason, uh, the, the big parts warehouses kind of took an opportunity, right? Uh, so it is what it is. Um, uh, I, that's not going to change. It happened in the automotive industry well before us, our industry. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, in, in, until you can order a technician online and have them drop ship to your restaurant, um, we're going to be we're going to be just fine. I'd agree. Uh, the other thing that I know you've uh, you've had some issues with in the states, uh, and in fact, uh, just talking to George earlier this morning of of, of uh, supply, um, and I think that's that's some partially because obviously they've curtailed uh, and, and had uh, uh, their teams furloughed, but also because um, uh, uh, whether it's tariff restrictions or supply restrictions of, of things like steel, um, I understand. We've, we've not really, we, we've seen uh, manufacturers slow down, um, uh, and, uh, uh, but, but not as a result, in spite of actually, you may have been aware that the, the UK has now left the European community in the first month of January. It was a bit chaotic. I think things have started to get a little bit more settled now. So in spite of that um, self-inflicted hiatus, um, we've not experienced um, challenges in terms of supply. But I know uh, George was looking for supplies out in, in the Middle East and being told you're not going to get them until the end of the year um, uh, from American companies. So so you, you've suffered there perhaps more than we have. You've got a, we've got 30, 40 week uh, lead times on, uh, on cooking equipment at the moment for, for, for some of the key accounts that we deal with. So, um, yeah, there's a, there seems to be, and that might just be us, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're not a, a priority market in a lot of people's books so that may be a be by the nature of um of the place or it may even be by nature of the customer because the customer might be such a volume customer that uh, the margins are squeezed and they don't get to jump in front of the queue um i don't know what the exact deals are but we're hearing of uh, yeah pretty extreme lead times in the moment at the moment for for um, heavy heavy uh, heavy kitchen equipment <laughs> right well i gentlemen i certainly hope that um in two or three years time uh, we'll all kind of joke how how quickly this came and went, this whole situation, and everything was back to normal, and and we were uh, you know back to 100 percent or 120 and rocking and rolling. And I'm looking forward to those days, and I'm looking forward to to seeing you gentlemen uh, at future CFESA meetings and uh, NAFA meetings and and other other meetings, whether they're globally or not. So uh, I do really appreciate your time today, uh, and thank you so much. And I think our audience would be is going to be fascinated and has been fascinated by uh, what they've learned today from our friends out there across across the pond. And if, if anybody wants to know more, um, I, I don't know if you can share our contact details. Very happy for, for either of us, um, you know, to, to shed light on this. Um, uh, you know, uh, and we look forward to coming to the States as well. So uh, um, NRA obviously got cancelled this year. Um, yeah, the Sofessa conference in, in October. Um, we're hoping one of us will be there um, and then pick up again more normally uh, next year. And if anybody's over in the UK or um, in, the, in, in the Gulf and, and wanted to stop by and say hello and understand how we do things, we'd be really happy to, um, you know, show you, show you the territory and explain um, how things happen over here. So, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, yeah, and just throw out, I'll throw out your website there. It's www.mcft.com. So if you guys want to learn more about what they do over there, uh, visit their website. And uh, 
again, thank you very much for your time today, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, George. Thanks, Chris. Have a good day. Thanks, Gary. Thank you.